Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, how y'all doing? It's Spare Time Bowling Show Podcast. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM The Fan. I'm my guy, Dwight Albrecht, over there at the Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin, in New Berlin Bowl. And, of course, Phil Brilo, Brew City Bowling on Twitter, uh, with uh, Beverage in Hand, uh, streaming live on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. You can download Spare Time Bowling Show on your Odyssey uh, app or anywhere you download your favorite podcast. At Dwight Albrecht is here, like I said, on Twitter at Dewey300. Of course, you can follow me. At Sparky Radio, normally we uh, do these broadcasts in the 1250 AM, the fan studio, because of schedule conflicts and so forth. Uh, we weren't able to, so we're doing this at 9 o'clock Central Time here on Wednesday evening. And uh, Dwight, quick story. I, I went into the station uh, like I normally do this morning, uh, and Allie Faith from KISS FM was looking mm-hmm. for you. Um, and yes. she has uh, something she wants to show you. Um, and she had I saw it, it on in- Facebook already. Oh, did she post it on Facebook? Yes. yes. Allie, Allie has her bowling balls from like 2006 <laughs> when we right, bowled in the Kiss right. FM morning show bowling league. Uh, and it was at New, where was it? Was it at New Berlin Bowl? Was that where it was? No, uh, we did it at B&G when we were on 127th at Burleigh. Oh, that's where it was. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. At the store, at, at the golf shop. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Where yeah, was the all you guys league came at? over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the bowling, bowling league, league was at uh, AMF West. AMF West, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where, where it was. Okay, right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah so we were over there, Oklahoma. right? So we were over there doing the bowling league, and I was talking to her today, and going over the different teams that were there, and uh, West McCain running yeah. around and sliding over in front of people trying to bowl, and uh, the nonsense that was. It was a a league back in the day with West Ronnie and Allie on Kiss FM, a long right. time, very successful morning show. Um, they decided to have some of their listeners into a bowling league. Um, and that's where Dwight and I kind of met uh, and became buds uh, and kind of then fast forward. I don't know, was it the next summer or whatever? Dwight was out on his Harley, him and his wife out at Double D's. Um, and right. I ran into him there, pitched the bowling show idea. And he's like, yeah, sounds good. Do you think we could really do it for an hour? And uh, a little <laughs> while later, uh, here we are uh, still doing right. this damn thing uh, in a podcast. I think I said a half hour. Yeah, you said you had done a half hour before, and it seemed like it took forever. Right. And you said, I don't think we could do an right. hour, Sparky. I'm like, trust me, Dwight. We hour. can, we can right. do an hour. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, it, it all worked out at the end of the day. So uh, another guy that's been around forever is Pete Weber. Uh, and he was uh, yeah. there uh, in Missouri, the first ever Pete Weber Missouri Classic. Uh, before we get into the actual results of the show and talking about matches and so forth, I want to start off just talking about Pete Weber. 
looked old mm-hmm. to me. I haven't seen Pete in years. Like the last time I saw Pete, we were at a bar in South Point together. So it's been a while since I've seen yeah. Pete. Seven um, years, probably. At least. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Me, Tim Allen, and Pete Weber at the bar. Um, so it's been a while. And I was I saw him on TV and I was like, whoa. Uh, and then he started talking. I was like, man, he looks old, he sounds old. Um, he, he, he got old. No question. We all get old. I was making fun of Phil and Dwight yeah. before we came on the air, <laughs> right. but I mean, people make fun of me for <laughs> my gray hair. So we, we're, we're all aging and the aging process doesn't stop, but that was the first time where it kind of hit me like, wow, he, he, he's not getting any younger. And you could tell that it meant the world to him, Phil, because he got pretty emotional multiple times, uh, throughout this thing. You know, a couple of years ago in Portland, he, did his last stint with the New York, now New Jersey Kingpins. And he came off the lanes after they lost their opening match in 22 and said, that's, that's it, man. I'm done. I can't keep up with the kids anymore. And that was the same week that Norm uh, announced his retirement as well. So it was kind of like going, okay, you know, Norm pulled me to the side. I kind of believe that one a lot more. Like when Norm said he was done, done, like you knew Norm was done. Never throw another PBA ball again. You knew Pete was still going to bowl PBA 50 stuff. But then he tried a couple of tournaments, and then before we the U.S. Open this year, we talked about it. Like, Pete was fighting to get that exemption in the U.S. Open. And I was like, man, Pete, just go there and, and, and just do a night with Pete Weber and just have people come in and watch you bowl and talk to him, that kind of thing, because uh, it's going to be tough keeping up with the kids. And that was his that was his wake-up call, man. He got to the U.S. Open. He got into it uh, and just wasn't good enough and then the first round of missouri he got on facebook after it was done he goes yeah basically i just embarrassed myself today this is a young man's game i'm going to do the best i can for these last 12 games but i really he said he should have given his spot to somebody that deserved it but he he's Pete freaking weber you get your send off the way you want it and you know norm got his send off at bayside which was great for norm and then pete got his send off with a tournament named after him. And, and I'm hopefully I, I saw some uh, local news in, in Springfield, Missouri, that said that they're planning on having this event back for several years. And I'm sure Pete's name is going to be attached to it as sure. well. But yeah, Pete's uh, father time is undefeated as our good friend, Jeff Rickles from 11 frame.com likes to say. And uh, yeah, he looked at this week, you watched him, the, the clips they had of people on the lanes uh, for his last few shots. Age is getting there. So and you can keep up with the other guys your age on the PBA 50 tour. I mean, he's reigning PBA 60 player of the year, but to try to keep up with the kids, it's just not going to happen. And it's a great way for Pete to go out. Your thoughts, Dwight? Um, I, I kept thinking that if this doesn't tell the people at home how hard being on the road is and that lifestyle of being on the road and how quick you age uh, in that type of style, um, a life that you live, uh, always living out of a suitcase, uh, bowling all those games, probably not eating very healthy. Um, who knows what else going on? But um, the thing I noticed is when he clapped, uh, I don't know if he, he's got arthritis in his hands, but his fingers were kind of going all over the place when he would clap. So I, I kind of caught that. Great job when they interviewed him. And they talked about all the other people that came ahead of him and that his name is attached to a, a tournament. I thought it it was very classy in how he said it. Yeah. And, and like I said, he got emotional to the point where 
I mean, we all know Pete, right? I mean, his, his ego is yeah. going to be there, right there with anybody else's. So let's mm. not fool ourselves here. Uh, but I think what hit right. him was dudes that are at the top of the game aren't having tournaments named after them that are still bowling. I, I think it was a, a moment of closure um, and kind of closing a chapter on a book type deal. Um, and then being honored that way by Tom Clark, who, by the way, as we've always talked about, has done an amazing job. And I really like the idea. And I don't know if it was Pete's decision or if Tom decided it was gonna, he was going to take it upon himself to sit next to Pete the entire tournament. Um, but that was kind of cool, too, seeing those two guys that have been through it, obviously, because Tom's been commissioner. Now, how long has Tom been commissioner? I, I don't even know. Uh, it's been a while, though. God, it's had to have been at least 15 years or so, right? Somewhere in that area? Yeah, at least. Somewhere yeah, I'd have to area. go back and look at the PBA archives, but yeah, at least 15 right. years. So him and Pete Weber have been through the battles and so forth. So to have those two guys kind of sitting there taking it all in. Um, and then even if you go to the 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 first game when A.J. Johnson uh, was out of it, uh, at the end he converts that split, he goes over to Pete and says something and then does the the, the chop or whatever, uh, you know, like degeneration, actually, like, like Pete Weber always used to do. That's kind of cool. I mean, that that's that's the stuff that, that you kind of wanted to see. And these guys all talking with Kimberly Pressler about, you know, wanting to do it for Pete and yada, 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 and that type of stuff. I don't think it could have went much better uh, as far as what they wanted this to look like and how it came off. I, I thought that was a pretty cool way to do it. The only thing I would have done differently, and you both know what it would have been, is I would have handed out Pete Weber sunglasses to everybody that showed up in that tournament. Yeah. And the entire crowd <laughs> Would have been wearing yeah. would have been wearing some type of sunglasses all in the crowd together uh, in honor of Pete Weber. I think that would have been super cool had they been able to pull that off. To say I like Bill O'Neill's comment about dropping the trophy at the beginning of the show. I thought yeah. that was hilarious. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on that. That was a funny moment, uh, and everybody got a kick out of it. And Bill O'Neill is, you know, he's one of those guys that's going to take his jabs. Uh, whenever the, the, the time comes uh, at the end of the day. Uh, Phil, the, the other thing about this is it being in Missouri. And if you don't know, he's from Missouri, obviously. And that's why this makes sense to have that thing there. Um, the, the TV coverage that came along with it, was he doing a lot of TV interviews and stuff like that when he was down there? Do you know, or how that whole, that, how that whole thing played out? I didn't see him there when I was there early in the tournament because of the PTQ and practice day, he was fighting some food poisoning. He said, on uh, the practice day, so I didn't get to see him there, but I know there was a lot of local news reports out there. Uh, I did see one of the local TV stations out there for a couple of days, so, you know, there's more. Uh, you know, you know they covered Pete pretty well. Uh, I, I happened to notice uh, uh, one of the local TV stations that talked about the tournament coming back, and I don't know if they had AI write the report after or something like that, but they called it the Pete Whoever Missouri Classic. I posted that on mm -hmm. social media going, that's why we need proofreaders in media. <laughs> The Pete whoever, I thought that was kind of a little, uh, little disrespectful uh, that somebody didn't proofread that. But next time I see Pete, I'm going to go, hey, it's Pete whoever. Yeah, that, you know, that's kinda, not. Yeah, yeah kind of, kind of give it to Pete a little bit when I see him, and he'll, he'll give it right back to me. There's no doubt about it. But he was classic Pete oh, this yeah. week. He was, he was blown. I heard the story from Nolan Hughes of the PBA because Nolan was down in the settee area, and if you're part of the PBA staff or everything, you have a lanyard that you have to wear while you're in the players' area. No one forgot his, and Pete didn't recognize him. So Pete's going, uh, you can just move your ass back up there right now. <laughs> you know, between shots, and here's Nolan. And Brett Spangler from Motive is going, uh, that's Nolan with the PBA, and, and Brett and Pete start getting into it because Pete doesn't care about 
You, you know, you didn't see a guy with a lanyard, you didn't recognize him because no one had a hoodie on. Get your ass back up in the in the set here, you know, back in the fans and stuff like that. So it's just classic Pete. And I'm like, no one, you now have a badge of honor of all time. You were yelled at by Pete Weber and survived. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a great story. But Pete was, I mean, Pete, from what I've heard, Pete was great with the fans all week long. The lines were long for autographs. Obviously, he hung out after he was eliminated from the tournament. Uh, the TV show Sunday, you know, I, I wish they would have taken the chance of striping a, you know, strapping a mic pack on him again a little bit more. I know it was an incident a couple of years ago. He let an F-bomb slip when they when they had him out there, and I think they were just a little cautious with that because Pete, let, you know, he runs with the emotions. He always has. This is the thing for me. Um, so I, I am sure, well, I don't know, Phil might. I don't think Dwight does. Uh, Y'all watch WWE, uh, right? Uh, Or AEW wrestling uh, nowadays, right? Okay. So when I was growing up, I used to watch it, right? Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Savage, so forth. Uh, And then I watched it through the Stone Cold era, through the Rock era, whatever. And then after that, I kind of just got bored. I thought the writing sucked and kind of went away. Never really went back. The, The one thing that the WWE does, now you can say it's because of their the lack of writing uh, that they have for the scripts. Uh, they can't develop young talent, whatever you want to say. Uh, they live and die with their old wrestlers. Uh, Ric Flair is a hundred. Um, Sting is a hundred. I mean, a lot of these guys in AEW right. and WWE are still around and right. they will not let them fade to black. They aren't going to allow it. They're going to make them come back out and grab a microphone, say something, do something, whatever, chair shot somebody, whatever. They're going to make yeah. them be a part of this. Why? Because that fan base, that's like my age, your mm-hmm. age, right? For Flair, you guys are no Ric Flair. Yeah, you may turn it on because Ric oh, yeah. Flair's on TV, and you were a fan of Ric Flair when you were watching wrestling back in the day, right? The PBA tour needs to take a, a page out of that. You can't let Pete Weber fade to black. Like I, I don't, I don't care if the man's not bowling on the PBA fifty tour anymore. I don't care if the man's not bowling on the PBA tour anymore. You can't let him fade to black. I mean, you brought back Nelson Burton uh, Jr. or whatever. Uh, and or, and brought him back and put him up there uh, in, in the TV booth a couple of times. You yeah. brought back all these other guys. You cannot allow Pete Weber to not be a part of this tour some way, somehow. Now, how you go about doing that, I'm not quite sure. But to allow the most popular guy you've had on TV for all these years, just walk away into the sunset and not keep him included somehow, some way on TV, I think would be a gigantic mistake, Dwight. Yeah, I kept thinking about uh, when they were showing clips uh, of him winning other titles and his match with Steve Wilson. And I, I kept thinking about uh, why didn't they show a couple of clips of when they did that documentary uh, called League of Ordinary Gentlemen. And it was really uh, highlighting Pete mainly in that um, documentary. So it would have been nice if they would have showed just bits and pieces of that during his era. Well, he had the yeah. 30 for 30 on ESPN as well. That was very well done, I thought, with you know Pete's troubles and, and that type of thing. That, that, that's something that maybe they could have worked out some with ESPN and gotten a clip or two out of that as well. But do you both agree right. that they have to keep him involved somehow, some way, uh, with this, this tour going forward outside of this one tournament? Like, I, I just, to me, there, there has to be something else, whether he's the third man in the booth for majors, right? Maybe it's just the majors. That's the only time you see or get to hear Pete with Randy Peterson. Could you imagine the stories you would get between Pete and Randy on a telecast referencing yeah. back to different things that happened on the tour or whatever? There is so right. much that you could get out of this. 
but you have to a convince him to do it um, and, and then see what happens. I'm telling you, people love that dude. Well, I, I, I saw that he had an earpiece. I was surprised they didn't talk to him while the matches were going on. But I know Tom Clark was sitting right next to him, and I just kept thinking to myself, did Tom keep whispering in his ear, hey, Pete, if you're going to say anything, don't swear? <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. No. no, no I, don't I think, think Pete so. learned his no. lesson from a couple of years ago. <laughs> so, I mean, once, once you do it, you're kind of – you kind of know you did it, and I don't think it's going to happen. I was again. waiting for that f bomb to come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I right, take a quick time. I'll come back on the other side, and we'll talk about what happened at the Pete Weber uh, Missouri Classic uh, and the matches that occurred. Do that next. Coming up here on the Spare Time Bowling Show podcast, download it on your Odyssey app, or if you download your favorite podcast app, also you can check us out on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Hey, it's C. Sparky Fiverr, 1250 AM The Fan. Check out the interviews I do during the week over at 1250amthefan.com. Uh, he is Dwight Albert uh, from the Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. Phil Brylo, Bruce City Bowling on Twitter. $2 Phil, as he is known to you. Follow Dwight on Twitter at Dewey300. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. All right, so let's start off first uh, talking about match number one here. Simonson, you know, had to climb the ladder if he was going to win this thing. Uh, going into this, and we knew that. Uh, and right off the bat, uh, AJ Johnson uh, is his opponent. Hey, man, you know, they were talking about uh, on the broadcast, Randy Peterson's like, oh man, you know, uh, EJ Tacky, man, he's just been on TV. So has AJ Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, AJ Johnson been on a couple of TV shows now, part of PBA League, all of that stuff. So we've seen AJ Johnson a bunch this year, like more than we've seen AJ Johnson over the last couple of years, that's for certain. Uh, so being able to make TV shows is, is something. Obviously, baby's still uh, on the way here as everybody's waiting anxiously uh, for uh, the baby uh, to come. But did he bowl all that great? No, he he didn't bowl all that great at the end of the day. But as we mentioned there in the in the first part of the show, you know he did have the chop uh, with Pete Weber, whatever the case may be. Got the hug with Pete and all that. Um, and you could just kind of tell a little bit early on that maybe Simonson was on it a little bit. But also at the same time, you could tell, and throughout this TV show, it still wasn't top-notch, top-level, you know, bowling necessarily that we're used to watching the last couple of years. There's still stuff going on. You're like, what the hell is going on out here watching this? You still had funky splits and a bunch of stuff going on throughout this TV show, Dwight. Yeah, 150 games, 159 on Simo's match. And we talked about this in the past that um, when the winner wins the show, uh, he's typically not pushed. And here's another show, except for EJ's match, where a lot of those matches were over by the seventh, eighth frame. I, I call them gifts. But, you know, I, at least EJ took him to the tenth frame. But, um, again, he didn't have a look on the right lane. Um, I love watching AJ. Phil and I talked a, called a lot of his shows when we did the high school matches uh, back in the day, uh, 2010, 11, 12. And so I'm real happy to see the kid doing well. Um, now becoming a young man. Love that he's sponsored by KR Strike Force. So he's sponsored by his grassroots, um, his hometown. Uh, so I, I just love seeing that. So uh, it's a great story. And the story this year, at least for the last couple of shows, maybe not so much with, with the U.S. Open, is, uh, boy, just guys are just having problems with one lane on a pair. Yeah. Whether, you know, topography and that type of thing. And then it's accentuated by the, these aggressive bowling balls that they throw. And all of a sudden you'll see a guy get into trouble. But the difference this week was Simonson in that match against EJ 
where he goes flat 10, flat 10, flat mm-hmm. 10, and flat. And you just go, okay, now he's going to have to get up and double the win to get to mm-hmm. the championship match. No. Right. Is he going to have to ball change? What's he going to do? And he just shows how freaking talented he is well, by staying in the same ball, switching his yeah. hand position, moving up on the approach to the ball. So he has to throw the ball slower because he takes smaller, smaller steps. Right. And then just shreds the rack twice. I mean, and just make sure that 10 doesn't stand. That just goes to show how amazing it's not the bowling balls with these guys when they get on TV to make it. If they have the wrong ball, yeah, they can find themselves in disaster in a hurry. But Simonson, the last couple of events he's made TV, you just watch him and he doesn't get himself in trouble with the ball and he just makes a small fine tune with the hand position or moving up on the approach or whatever. And then you know keeps himself in a match and then gives still gives himself a, a position to win. And he did it again. It's amazing I, to watch. Yeah. And how many times did Pete do that during his career? Right. On TV, I, I think, 37 titles with subtle yeah. changes. And in that match, I think he rolled the dice uh, in the 10th frame. Uh, I think he moved in to play the Wally because he knew if he hit the pocket, it was going to be a flat 10. So I'll, I think the only way he knew he was going to win that match was to go to the wall shot. And he did back-to-back shots. Oh, he, he changed his ball roll too, Dwight. I mean, he changed his hand position. He changed his ball roll to go with it because he knew the ball was losing too much energy. So he got it a little, right. with a little more a little more side turn so it saved that energy just enough. Because otherwise, if you, if you hit light, that ball to flex, you're still going to leave a 10 pin on light hit. you got to right. get that ball to rotate properly down lane and save that energy. And he did it, and it's it was it was yeah. amazing to watch. Where everybody bitches all the time about, oh, you can't out bowl bad ball reaction. Well, you can out you know you you can't out bowl mediocre ball reaction sometimes unless you're an Anthony Simonson or EJ Tackett or some of these guys where they take it. Bill O'Neill when he won the Players Championship, he didn't have the greatest ball reaction that day on the step ladder, and look no, what Bill didn't. did took home the title yeah. because he and right. you know there's just so many. Tricks that these guys have outside outside the well, bowling balls that everybody says it's the bowling balls. No, it's these damn yeah. guys have so much talent and tricks that well, we I, can't do. Right. Well, in Simonson's case, I think he's got a bigger bag of tricks than most of the guys out there. Most of the guys maybe have two or three different things they can do. And Randy Peterson hit it right on the head. He's got he can do everything. He talked about the backup, changing his axis tilt, rotation, all that stuff. I don't think it's two or three guys, Dwight. I think it's 20 or 30 guys nowadays on tour that can do that kind of stuff. I'm watching Stu Williams this week when I was down there covering the league um, Monday night in in, uh, in Anderson, Indiana, and I'm watching Stewie just come up the back of the ball and just keep it on line because it's the Viper pairing this week. And here's Stewie. And Stewie's got two three hands in the tournament qualifying this week already. It's These guys are learning that they just can't sit there and, and – and just Select change ball, balls. Ball. They need to, they need right. the little things, and you see these guys. That's what they're working on on tour, because the little things is what's the difference between the Simo, the Belmo, the EJ. But it's no different than Tiger. What Tiger changed golf with with his physical and all the different tricks he could do with the ball. So all these guys are learning to hook it and slice it and hit stingers and all the other stuff. And all of a sudden, that gap closed a little bit, and Tiger wasn't the right. the only threat to win every week. There's twenty or thirty guys that show up at every one of these events that can win that week. It's just a matter of making the right decisions at the right time, making the, you know, and knowing when to get out of a ball. You know, yeah. it's at least it's in that great. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just going to say it's great listening to you guys go back and forth about this with Simonson because I'll be the first one to say I did not realize he moved up on the approach. I didn't yeah. notice it. Um, so uh, Phil brings it up. I was like, I ah, didn't even notice. I mean, that that's the type of stuff where 
average bowler, right? As we were talking about, oh, buck 57 game, oh, buck 79 game, whatever. Okay, you're right. It, it looks horrible. And, and we're all going to say the same thing. That's not good for the PBA Tour. Even though they're difficult shots, even though there's other things in play, average bowler who you want to watch does not want to watch somebody throw a buck 57 or a buck 60 because they do not understand what Phil and Dwight just described. They, they just don't, don't understand it. Don't get it. I can, I can do on my house shot. Uh, and that's all that matters. And if I'm averaging 230, 235, you should be able to throw at least 215 on a pro shot. For God's sakes, you're a PBA bowler, right? That that's how it should be. And it's just not that easy. It's just not that no. way. And I remember back when we had Van McNeil on this show, uh, and Van decided he was going to try and qualify uh, for a PBA tournament. You remember this, Dwight? Mm-hmm. Summer right. series. Yeah. And, and I'm yeah. going to I'm going to try and we're going to document it and we're going to go through the whole thing. <laughs> he, he I gave him like, a lot of lessons. <laughs> and he was just like, holy crap, because he bowled before. Right. But he wasn't mm-hmm. a PBA bowler. But he was just like, holy crap. Sparky. Like, this is <laughs> completely not what I thought it was. And it right. is a eye opening experience. And obviously, everybody doesn't get to do you know, that or have that experience, right? Because right. people don't want to pay the money to try go in there and embarrass themselves or whatever the case may be. But if everybody had a chance to kind of experience what that's like to bowl on that type of stuff, that would be just absolutely remarkable. I would love to see like um, Milwaukee or whoever put on a PBA style tournament, right? No PBA guys allowed, no PBA card guys allowed. You can't bowl on this. These are just for amateurs, you know, that, that bowl here locally uh, and do the same type of format as what they would do on a PBA tour, right? Same type of lane conditions, figure out a PBA condition, whatever else, make them bowl the same amount of games as you would bowl to, to do it or whatever the case may be, and then see what happens and then go and put them on, get, get a TV show, have Phil record or whatever else, work out a deal with a local TV station in Milwaukee with whoever it may be uh, and see how they deal and handle with all of it. Because it is a grind when some of these tournaments are bowling 35, 40, 50 games, whatever. These dudes have never bowled that many games. I can guarantee you for that long a period and stretch of time, having to make adjustments and all of that other stuff, that there would be an eye-opening event. And I don't want it on ESPN or nothing like that. I'm just saying for locally to to challenge some of these top guys, here, go bowl this. Here, go figure it out. Let's see what you can do Uh, and go from there. And again, not the guys that are in the PBA 52 or – not the guys that are on the PBA tour, just the mm-hmm. Joe Schmoes that are bowling in their leagues, you know, uh, around the area it, to give them a chance to go bowl in it. Yes. Yeah. I, again, instead of the guys being five, six, seven hundred over for the week, you might see those local guys being 20, 30, 40 over or zero scratch making the top five. Yeah. Hold on, Dwight, they, they'd have- They'd have to have a spare game. How many nine misses do you see out of a league every night you close your pro shop in New Berlin and walk out the door and go down the concourse and all of a sudden you see nine miss, nine miss. It's all a lot of that stuff's about the spare game, man. I'm watching guys during the PTQ in in Indiana this week that are just missing easy spares and stuff like that. I mean, and when he when you get to that level, you can't afford to give anything away. No. So I mean, these guys can get close to the pocket, but then they're going to get left with you know a couple ten pins in a row, and then all of a sudden they miss one of them. And all yeah, yeah it's it, it, it makes these it, it forces these players to have such an all around game, and that's something the amateurs I don't think see it as well because you only see it for no. ten frames on TV. 
And if yeah, a guy leaves a split, it's you know, it's an open frame, but you don't see the guys whiffing spares on TV very rarely. Rarely you see a chop here and there, but you don't see the 10 pin, you know, miss that often or that type of thing. And and they don't I don't think they give enough credit to the guys for their spare game. Uh well, they don't have the time to talk about it either on the show. Kimberly actually asked the during her segment, and I heard make your spares kids more than once from the yeah. pros. Yeah. Yeah, oh, no doubt. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. All right, let's move on here in the TV show. Uh, so Simonson over AJ Johnson, uh, two thirty four to one fifty nine. Match number two, he gets Matt Russo. That really wasn't a match. Uh, two forty seven to two oh two. But good job by Russo for making a TV show. It's been a while. So Russo yeah. gets there. The third match was the match, and everybody yeah. expected this to be the match. Let's be honest, going into this thing, Simonson against EJ Tackett, and again, yeah, EJ Tackett on TV again. Uh, and again, EJ Tackett talking to himself on TV for another TV show. You can just feel the frustration building watching EJ Tackett bowling on TV. It's great that he's getting on TV, but once he's there, he's not, not being able to finish. And not only is he not being able to finish, he's not been bowling all that great when he's on TV to begin with, Dwight. Well, he also really, to be honest with you, Sparky, he should have won that match. I mean, he had back-to-back frames with pocket splits. If yep. he just gets a nine nine spare, a nine spare in those two frames and doesn't leave a pocket 7-10, and I think the other one was a 4-10, I believe, for going slightly yep. high, um, mm-hmm. that, that match is over. You know, so um, he pulled better than his scores showed in that match. How bad was he physically, Phil? They said he was having issues – during the bicep. course of the week with his with his arm. Yeah, bicep issue. It's it didn't seem to give him that much of a problem on the show. The, the problem was he just wasn't I mean, he just was getting a little tight getting the ball off his hand. He, he needed a crowbar and a couple of those shots uh before the 10th frame. Watching him this week didn't seem like it was much of a problem and he's on pace to make the show this week in Indiana. He's leading he's leading after with one day to go. So Bicep, whatever's whatever was bugging him, it's not doing it that often right now. And that, so it's and not, that's he wasn't that, using it really as an excuse either. No, he didn't yeah, use yeah. it as an excuse, but they brought it up on the show that he was having issues with it or whatever the case may be, kind of going into that thing. And as we pointed out earlier in this show, Simonson needed to get the job done uh there in the tenth frame and was able to, and we documented, you know, how tough it is for him to do what he did and so forth to get yeah. that double and, and adjust after leaving those 10 pins. So he wins 203 to 193. Then we get to the title match, uh, and again, another 150 game uh, there from Bill O'Neill. 224-156, uh, Simonson over Bill O'Neill. Thoughts on what you saw from Bill O'Neill, Dwight? Um, I had a quick question for Phil. Uh, Phil, with these guys that are coming up that are putting so much turn on the ball – uh, with their thumb, just with their thumb, like an EJ. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. see it more than Sparky and I. Do you see more injuries from these guys that are going unannounced or hasn't been talked about on the show? No. I the Most of the injuries you hear out there are just basically like a finger or a thumb. Or, you know, Kyle Troop last year had some problems with a finger. Uh, and he changed the pitch, and it seemed, it seemed to you know get past that in a couple yeah, of he weeks. he talked and- about that, too. These guys are the guys that are out there week in week out. They're they're so good with stretching before they they get out there and making sure they're taking their time during warm ups, uh, making sure everything's good, type of thing. Yeah, they're and just the way that the ball drillings progressed over the years, where you know if these guys had to do this stuff 
30 years ago because what, what it was it always back then, Dwight? It was always stretch the damn grip out, fingers out, thumb reverse pitch so you get out of the ball quick and you can just grip it and rip it. And that's where guys are blowing out wrists and fingers and all that other stuff. That's that's not an issue even for the guys with their thumb in the ball anymore because ball drilling has come such a long way. And you'll see, yeah. you know, and, and and you know that right away where how many guys do you get to come into your shop now compared to 20 years ago that, hey, I've got a sore wrist all the time or I've got the, and that's even just the casual bowlers. That bowl maybe you know the serious casual bowlers that bowl two or three nights a league a week. You don't get that. Oh, my wrist is bugging me, or what can we do to fix this? You're not getting that because you guys have such a better science of drilling nowadays than you did 20, 30 years ago, and that just well, reflects for, on tour for injuries as well. Right, and that's also the thanks to Mo Pinnell. Mo Pinnell wasn't out there 30, 40 years ago either. I mean, and he taught thousands of pro shop operators how to fit correctly, how to fit comfortably. I just was thought that maybe because these guys' arms are so bold uh, and their elbows are so bent to get the high rev rates and they're doing that yo-yo effect with the wrist that you'd see a lot more hand-wrist injuries. But to do that, you have to be loose physically. You can't be – you can't tense – up. if you tense up, you can't bring your elbow – you know, you can't let your elbow relax. You know, they have to right. stay loose. They have to stay fluid with the swing. It's not getting tight coming through and doing all you can to, to grip on it like we did 30 years ago. It, it, the physicality yes. of the game has changed so much on top of it, too, that, yeah, you if, if you're throwing tight, you're, you're not going to bowl well. Good stuff, right. as always. See us, Phil Brylo, Dwight Albright, uh, shooting, uh, checking in here with the spare time bowling show. Gentlemen, it was another well, good on, one. One more oh. thing, before, which I'm disappointed Sparky didn't mention here. Uh-oh. We well, talk it's... about, you've talked about how the PBA has always needed a black hat. The yeah. black hat. The retiring black hat of Pete Weber passed the right. torch with this win to Simon. That's what I thought. Right. The torch has been passed. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I don't. Man, I don't, Simonson bowls well, angry all the time. He sure, he does. Angry. I, I understand he bowls angry, but Pete was at a whole different level. I mean, Pete's yelling at people in the crowd. You just said it. Guy on the PBA tour got yelled at. A writer got gets yelled at by Pete. I mean, again, <laughs> this type of stuff. Simonson ain't ain't that guy. I mean, look, he may be abrasive or whatever and get angry when he's on TV and all of that. Um, but to me. Pete Weber, sunglasses, all that that went along with it. Dwight can tell you about stories of him as a kid ripping through locker rooms and doing all this crazy crap that was on back in the day. So there were a bunch of dudes um, that weren't, you know, pro Pete guys or whatever the case may be for whatever the reason. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know necessarily if Simonson is at that level and not saying Simonson can't get to that level. Mm-hmm. But Simonson would have to have a rivalry with a troop or somebody. Um, and kind of like Belmonte and Rash did, where he's got to kind of have to be the anti guy. Like, ah, Kyle Troop's overrated as hell, man. Get out of here. I, I'm a, I'm a far better bowler. Something like that, to where okay. that's Kyle Troop's the fan favorite, and Simonson goes here and just says he's overrated, man. I that dude ain't that good. You guys, you all love him because his big hair and everything else. I, I'm a way better bowler than that dude. That that type of stuff, or you know, you're not gonna have a water bottle because Tom got rid of water bottles out there. Um, <laughs> But something along those lines where it's Simonson against one of the faces uh, of yeah. the tour. But as we've talked about before, these guys are all friends. Like, you're just not going to have this. Rash and Belmonte were not friends. So that's what led to that. Like, it was real. There was nothing yeah. fake. These guys all are guys. They 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 all hang, whatever. Nobody's really 
I mean, I don't know. You're on tour. I'm not. I'm not traveling around with these guys like you are, Phil. I mean, are there guys that, you know, aren't pro Kyle Troop or aren't pro guys that don't like these young guys? Because if there is, I haven't seen one on TV yet that has even come close to hinting that they're not. Yeah, I, it doesn't reflect while they're bowling. It's all business while they're bowling. If there's stuff off the lanes that's going on, I you, know, you don't know. So far this year, I haven't seen it. Right, but you I mean, know, if you want to go, if you want to go black hat, and yeah. if you, if you, if you're okay being ostracized yeah. from the rest of the PBA circuit and the rest of the bowlers, and yeah. you want to go out on that bridge and see how how it feels, yeah. then turn on Kyle Troop. That that's how you that's how you do it. Turn on Kyle Troop. He's the face of this league right now. And we can talk about EJ Tackett and we can talk about Simons and all that. Does not matter. Mm-hmm. If yeah. I if I take Kyle Troop, put his hair up, put him out with three, four other bowlers, I guarantee you 95% of the people are going to know who Kyle Troop is before they know who EJ Tackett is or Anthony Simonson or anybody else. So if you want to heal, that person is going to have to take personal shots at Kyle Troop on TV uh and make it a deal. And I don't think anybody on this tour uh, has any intention of doing that because everybody loves Kyle Troop, and I don't blame them because I love Kyle Troop. But I'm just saying, if you're going to be yeah. a heel, it's got to go to that point. It just does. Okay. Right? Does that I make sense? It. Yeah. No, it does. Fully. I, I thought the part that was interesting was the clip that they showed Pete Weber's last ball uh, for the tournament. I'm sure you guys saw it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was over That's everything. Right. Who was the pers- first person that gave him a hug afterwards? Anthony Simonson. Simonson. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. First person. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of agree with Phil a little bit on the passing of the torch. Well, I got I got I mean, I, I, I watched Simonson. Does he have a temper from time to time? Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. He has a temper. Okay. I agree with you, but do I, I mean, does anybody boom? Does, does anybody like go back and forth with them? I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see well, that. Nobody, nobody boos. Nobody boos Pete anymore. Nobody booed Marshall. Not anymore. Marshall, yeah, not I mean, anymore. Mar- Marshall was the bad guy. Marshall, Marshall was the bad guy for for how many years? Yes, dude. My house Even was divided. I was a Marshall Holman guy. My family were Mark Roth guy. Mark Roth family, and we argued every time they were on TV against each other. But right. that's my point, though. Right. Yeah. That was a black hat. And, yeah. th- and he was fine with it. He was comfortable. Right. It didn't bother him. He could care yeah. less. Whatever. Right. You go love your Mark Roth. I- I- I'm yeah. the guy. Yeah. And that's how Pete was. I don't care. Yeah. Love whoever you want. I know I'm better. And he didn't care. Now we got a bunch of friends on tour. That's all I'm saying. That To me, that's where it's going to happen. Here, I'll give you another example. We're way off topic, but I don't care. You brought it up. <laughs> Th- this is another example. The National Football League, right? When Ditka and Forrest Gregg were coaches of the Packers and the Bears, they hated each other. Yeah. Gary Ellerson told the story about how Gregg and Ditka were going to fight underneath the stadium, and both teams had to pull the coaches apart under the stadium (laughs) so they didn't start fighting under the stadium. Those teams hated each other. Cheap shots, late shots, all that stuff, right? That was a true, we hate you, whatever. The Brewers, back when Ned Yost uh, was the manager, and they had LaCroix, uh, and Tony LaRusso was the manager of the other team. And LaCroix is like, we can't stand those guys. We don't like them. We have nothing to do with them. And then you got Yost and his coaches chirping at Pujols and the other dugout, and they're yelling back and forth. Okay, that was a rivalry. Mm-hmm. Coaches didn't like each other. Players didn't like each other. That's a rivalry. But for the most part in professional sports now, everybody gets along. Everybody goes to the yeah. club together after the game. We hang out with everybody in the offseason. We go fishing together. We go out on the boats together. You know, we're on TMZ together. That's 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 kind of where we are now. And 
a lot of this isn't a thing. It's all oh, the Brewers and the Cubs wide a rivalry. No, no. The fans may not like each other, right. but the <laughs> players and so forth, they don't care. Greg Council's with the Cubs. Again, most upset I've been about anything in local <laughs> sports in my life. And Pat Murphy was his college coach. Pat Murphy doesn't hate yeah. Craig Council. There's yeah. no chance. There's not going to be anything, any bad blood there. The guys on the Brewers all love Craig Council that played for him. So they are going to be upset. I mean, they're not happy that he's not here, but it ain't going to be like that, like Lucroy and Larusa. So you're not going to get that either. And that yeah. would have been a perfect chance for that. So th- that's why I'm just saying, like, for the most part, the, the days of the black hat are gone. And that's why, back to WWE where we started, The right. Rock turning heel uh, in WWE coming back here before WrestleMania was genius to, to mm-hmm. put him back to a heel here uh, and get everybody to watch wrestling again. And then once he's done, everybody will turn wrestling off again. Well, Hulk uh, Hogan did being, that too. Be there. Hulk Correct. Hogan did that, yeah, with the NWO. But Dwight, he was on when Hulk Hogan did it, he was on the national news, like the <laughs> ABC Nightly News at 5:30 Central Time. They led with Hogan going bad. The guy that says, you know, say your prayers and eat your vitamins has gone right. bad, blah, blah, blah. It made the national damn nightly news. They weren't talking right. about anything about wars or anything else. They were talking about Hulk Hogan. That, again, the power of a heel in sports and entertainment is so powerful and yeah. such a huge thing. NASCAR. Jeff Gordon was a heel. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, because everybody loved Dale Earnhardt and how right, dare some right. not nose kid from California come and beat some my guy from the South. That's why they hated Gordon, and he was a crybaby. I agree with that. But yeah. that's what it was. Kyle Busch forever was a heel yeah. in NASCAR. Right? Everybody yeah. booed Kyle Busch, hated oh, Kyle yeah. Busch. That that whole era that's going away too in NASCAR because now right. you got all these young kids. Same thing. They're all friends. A lot of these guys they get along, whatever. So a lot of that's going to go away too. So I. But I will tell you one thing there, Dwight. I got some news for you. Okay. I got a call, a voicemail from IndyCar Radio asking me if WSSP wanted to run the IndyCar radio races on our radio station. Nice. Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. call him back. I, I didn't call oh. I didn't call him back. I <laughs> love IndyCar. <laughs> I know you do. I thought of you right away. I'm like, I've just got we, Dwight calling. We have <laughs> tickets for the Milwaukee Mile for both for both races. I know. Uh, it's All very right. inter- it's very entertaining. I like yeah, I can't IndyCar wait too. for them to come back. All right, that'll do it uh, for another edition of Spare Time Bowling, showing with some IndyCar talk, of course. Uh, he is uh, <laughs> Phil Brylo. Follow him on Twitter at Brew City Bowling. Cheers to you, Phil. Uh, Dwight Albrecht uh, over there at Dewey 300. He's headed to bed after a long night uh, drilling <laughs> bowling balls all day. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Until next time here on the Spare Time Bowling Show, have a good one, y'all. And all I say is toodles. Toodles.